not going to lie, this is one of those messages that God gave me that I tried to talk myself out of. And even during worship, I was praying, God, let, let, just let your spirit move. That would be a better sermon for today. So he, he wanted this, so this is what we got. But it is Mother's Day, and I am so very grateful. I have amazing, God-fearing women in my life. Growing up, I have two grandmothers that were godly women that served them with all their heart. I've got a prayer warrior of a mother. If you know my sisters, you know there's a reason why I have a prayer warrior of a mother. Might have had something to do with that as well, but that's all right. Got two amazing bonus moms with my mother-in-law, Wendy, and my stepmom, Robin. But God really knew what he was doing when he put Sarah into my life. I'm not sure many people could put up with the craziness that comes with having a house of three Pico boys. You say, that's three boys. No, three Pico boys are very different than just three boys. But she handles it with patience and grace. And I love my wife very dearly. It might just be easier for you to look at the scriptures today on the screen because I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but I promise I'm going to do my very best to try to bring it all together. Jonah 2 and 10 says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Mark 8.23 says, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? And Revelation three fifteen through 16 says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And with God's help, I want to preach this thought today. There's purpose in the spit. I told you it's going to be different. We just need to pray. Lord, we want to thank you, God, for bringing us together here today. We just ask, Lord, that you be able to use this time, Lord, to be able to, to speak to us today, God. Not let it be about the words that I say, Lord, but let it be about your spirit, Lord, that that's drawing someone to make a stronger commitment to you today, God. We want to thank you for it in Jesus' name. Pastor, has God ever given you just a word, like a distinct word, right? It's happened to me before. I remember a couple years ago. I was praying, and, and God just gave me the word patience. And then it seemed like every single time I would pray, God would just give me that word patience again. And then he'd give me some scripture to go along with it, and I'd, I'd start writing them down. And before you knew it, I, I had my message all together. Well, he did it to me a few months back, and I was in prayer, and God spoke a, a word to me so clearly, and he just said, spit. <laughs> really, God? That's, that's kind of odd. So I kind of just brushed it off and I said, okay, whatever. So the next week I'm, I'm praying and I'm interceding and, and God speaks very clearly to me once again and he says, spit. So I opened up my notepad and I just started writing some things down. Anyone have one of those, those fancy Bibles with the big thick concordance in the back, right? So I said, oh, this is going to be easy. So I went to the concordance and I'm like, I'm going to look up scriptures and, and guess what? The word spit is not in the concordance. For some reason, biblical scholars did not think that that merited a Bible study. So I went back to God, and I started praying again. I said, God, you got to give me something. And he gave me those three verses, and he just spoke that word and said, there's purpose in the spit. 
I don't think anyone ever sat down and said, I'm going to preach on spit, especially on Mother's Day, right? When pastor texted me earlier this week and he asked if I could preach today, I said, sure. And I knew I had one outline ready. And I thought, I can't preach this on Mother's Day. So I asked Sarah, I said, should I try to come up with something different? And she just laughed and said, well, a mother uses spit to clean their children all the time anyways. (laughs) And that's true. Anyone ever had their mom use their spit to to fix their hair? Bill raises his hand like he's got hair to get fixed. Maybe at a much younger age, Bill, we love you. Right? Or they, they, they try to get that smudge that you forgot, that little bit of chocolate right before you go into school. Anyone's mom ever done it when you were way too old for them to do it? Right? You're embarrassing me. I'm just trying to fix you. Trying to make sure that you're the best you can be. And I believe that that's what God's trying to do today. He, he wants to fix some situations. And it might not make sense to us. And we might think, God, you're kind of embarrassing me just a little bit. But he says, will you just trust me? And the Bible used spit as an example several times. And one of the first examples that comes to mind is Jonah. Jonah 2.10 says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. So how did Jonah end up in this puddle of fish spit on the beach? You see, God had a purpose for Jonah. Jonah 1.2 tells us, he says, to, to get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked the people are. For those of you that don't know, Jonah wasn't a fan of Nineveh. Nineveh wasn't a fan of Jonah. Brother Caleb, do you ever like getting up and preaching fire and brimstone? I don't think any of us do, right? No one likes to get up and preach a message about judgment and correction, and let alone knowing that you're going to preach this message to people that don't even like you and probably aren't even going to receive it anyways. So Jonah made up his mind, and he said, you know what? God's got it wrong. I know more than God. And he turns, and he goes the opposite way. He starts his own journey. Jonah did a dangerous thing. He stepped out of the purpose that God called him to because he didn't want to confront it. I feel like God gave me this message because he's been speaking to somebody today. You've been praying, God, I I, I have this thing that, that I want to do for you. And God says, but this is what I have for you to do. But God, that's a little bit more difficult than I want to do. God, that, that, that's not what I volunteered for. That's not, that's not on my agenda. And, and God gave us this vision of what he wants us to do. And we have a choice to trust in him in our purpose or to follow our own agenda. And the instructions, they didn't sound very fun. He told Jonah up front, not just, hey, you're going to go preach to Nineveh, but you're going to preach a tough message to Nineveh. But it's what I've called you to do. But he opts out and he goes on his own plan. And I can tell you from experience, when you run from your purpose, it's not going to end up well. You're going to end up in the middle of a storm, in the middle of chaos. And in the middle of this storm, everyone around Jonah was experiencing pain and sorrow because of choices that Jonah made. And Jonah finally gets to the point where he admits, you know what, it's my fault. I'm outside of the will of God, and I'm going to do everything I can to to fully submit to him. And he tells the the sailors, just throw me overboard. Let God have his way with me. And verse uh, 15 says, And the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice, and they vowed to serve him. 
What's crazy is even though Jonah is outside of the will of God, God is still using him to reveal himself to people around him. You can't run from your purpose. You can't run from your calling. God is still going to use you one way or the other. And in that moment of realization, I'm sure Jonah was filled with regret and he thought as he's getting thrown overboard, this is the end. This is it. But God still had a purpose for him. And for three days and three nights, Jonah was inside the belly of that fish. And Jonah 2 and 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside that fish. He said, I cried unto the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. In the midst of darkness, in the lowest point of Jonah's life, he began to pray and worship the Lord. You go down to verse number 9, and it says, But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. It was at this point that that he said, Lord, I'm willing to do what you called me to do. God, I'm willing to submit to you. I'm willing to praise you. I'm willing to, to live in the purpose that you've called me to do. And that's when God says, you know what, you're ready. So he releases him from that pit of despair, and he, he gets thrown up on the shore. And as soon as he gets up on the shore, God says it again, go to Nineveh. Jonah 3 and 4 says, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Skipping down to verse 10, and it says, And when God saw what he had done, and they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Jonah, you did it. You you trusted in God. You allowed him to use you. You preached a tough message, and now an entire nation is going to be saved. Jonah, you must be on cloud nine for what God used you to do. Chapter number four, verse one. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn your back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I have predicted will not happen. You want to know why it feels like we're covered in spit sometimes? Instead of being in the joy that God's called us to? It's because instead of living in God's purpose, instead of of trusting in his agenda, we're still holding on to hurt and to pain. And we're waiting for God to get even for us instead of allowing God's grace and mercy to be shown upon others. We get so caught up in our own pain and what God, what they deserve, and we forget, what did I deserve? You want to know why you're still stuck in a storm today? You got to get rid of bitterness. You got to get rid of anger. Spit just wasn't something that was in the Old Testament, but multiple times throughout the New Testament, God used spit to heal. John 9, 1 through 3 says, And as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been, who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why has this man been born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? First off, what kind of silly question is that? He was born blind. Is it because of his sins? 
Verse 3 says, it's not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Can I throw this one in for free? We need to stop looking around at people's situations and judging how they got there. Right? Well, it's decisions that they made. Or it's the upbringing. If they would have only had a mom or they had a dad or someone that cared about them, then then it's that person's fault. And we need to start looking at people's situations and struggles through God's eyes and saying, you know what? Why this struggle is here so that I can reveal myself to someone. Instead of looking at their condition and judging why God, we need to look at through his eyes and say, God, you see an addiction, but you also see a breakthrough. You see a deliverance. We may see sickness, but God, you see a healing. We see the impossible, but God, you, you saw a chance to reveal yourself to the world. Verse 6 says, then he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. God used dirt. He used something that was unclean. But watch this. When that unclean thing allowed itself to be mixed with, with God's presence, with, with God's spit, then it was given purpose. The enemy is trying to tell someone today that you're unclean, that you're insignificant, that you don't matter, that you're overlooked and you're under, underappreciated. But God says, that's okay because I can work with that. That's okay because I can do something with that. It might be a messy process. It might not be how we pictured it. But God says, will you allow me to fill you with purpose so that you can influence and change someone else's life? Verse 7, he said, he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And Siloam means sent. So the man went and he washed and he came back seeing. In order to receive his sight, the man had to be obedient to the voice of God. In order to receive his healing, he had to be sent. I, I think there was a reason why they put so much emphasis on what that pool was called, the word sent. Because God started a work in lives today. He started some ministries. He's beginning to grow some things. And the reason why you aren't walking in your purpose yet is because you haven't been sent. God told you to go and it'll be achieved and you're standing around waiting for God to do it for you. God has given you everything that you need, but the messy part in our lives is the things that he's already done. He's just waiting for us to go to respond and to allow him to send us somewhere. I believe that God wants to change someone's vision today. I believe that he wants to show you a whole new world. He wants to completely change your life. He's been working on you and you've been waiting just to respond. And he's called you to be sent. Verse 8 says, And his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, No, he just looks like him. What a powerful testimony that is. When he had such an encounter with God that some people are like, There's no way that could be the same person. There's absolutely no way. But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I am the same one. They asked, Who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and I washed, and now I can see. I love how powerful a testimony can be. Not only did God take time to notice the situation I was in, but he offered me a way out. He offered me a a chance to have my life transformed, a chance to be transformed in a way that you don't even recognize who I am. 
the book of Mark talks about two different times that Jesus healed with spit. Both times they were very private and they were very gradual. They were different than some of the other healings. And I'm just going to talk about one of them today, and that's in Mark 8.22. And it says that when when he arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought in a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the village. Because sometimes when God heals people, it's in a big public display. And it happens in an instant. But sometimes God grabs us by the hand and he leads us away from the city. He leads us away from the chaos and the noise. And he says, you know what? It's you and me and we're going to take a journey. And as he takes them on this journey, he's leading them. Lord, this isn't how I pictured my healing, God. I I had it planned out a different way. This isn't how it was going to go down. It, It doesn't make any sense. But God's just extending a hand out and he's saying, Will you let me lead you? Do you trust me enough to just let me take you on this journey? It might not be the way that you think it's supposed to be, but I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And some of us aren't the blind man, but some of us are the crowd of people. And God uses us, and he, he, he leads us and directs us to people who have a need. And he'll bring us to the point where we can take that need and we can bring it into his presence. And we've got to trust God enough to let him take it and walk away. Because sometimes you're not going to get to see the miracle firsthand, but that doesn't mean that God didn't use you to put them in his presence. Just because God hasn't chose to show you the miraculous in front of you doesn't mean he hasn't done a mighty work. Then spitting in the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? Jesus, why did you have to spit in the man's eyes? You could have laid your hands on him. You could have just spoken the words to him. You're already taking him, and he's showing some faith here. But I read this commentary, and it said that the warmth of the spit could have soothed pain in the man's eyes. Sometimes I believe before we can receive healing that God wants to give us, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual or emotional, he needs to soothe the pain that we're feeling. Because we're in a place that we can't receive it just yet. So I believe he used that, that, that spit to, to begin to soothe his pain because maybe the blind man wasn't there on his own will. Maybe he didn't have the faith that God could heal him and he saw his situation as hopeless. But when God took him by the hand and he led him to a place, he began to soothe some of the pain that he was feeling. And as that pain started to slip away, even if it was only for a moment, that faith would begin to rise up. And that's when he's able to receive his healing. Verse 24 says, the man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. If he was blind, how did he know the difference between trees and people? I don't believe this man was born blind. I believe something happened during his life that caused him to lose his vision. I believe that Jesus took special care of with with this blind man because he was someone who once had vision. He was someone that once knew what the sky looked like. He once knew what it was to look upon the face of his his mother and his father. But he lost it. And the enemy is telling him there's no way that it's going to come back anymore. But God grabbed him by the hand and he led him to a place where he says, let me soothe your pain so that I can put you in a place to receive a healing that I have for you today. Hear me now, I believe someone came in this house blind and broken, but God wants to walk out of here with a purpose in your life. 
He's just saying, will you let me lead you? I, I, I know I, I, you think it's false hope and, you, and, and things are never going to change, but will you let me lead you? Will you let me just take care of your wounds? Will, will you let me just, just show you that I care for a moment? You see, that blind man didn't come back and say, Jesus, you failed to get it right the first time. I put myself out there. I walked away with you. But he just stayed right by Jesus' side. Too often we lose our faith when things don't go our way. When God starts to do a work, but it's not the complete work, it's just a part. But this blind man, he doesn't go anywhere. Verse 25 says, Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. He, his sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. It was a touch from the master that started the work, but it was a touch the second time that everything was restored. Oh, I believe I'm speaking to somebody in the house today. You're waiting for, for God to touch you, but you're not waiting for God to restore something in your life. See, the blind man could have said, Jesus, I can see things now. I'm better than I was. And he could have gotten excited and taken what he had already been given and walked away and said, I've been changed for the better. But there was restoration and healing that God wanted to do. You want to know why you don't have some clarity in your life? It's because you've let God lead you. And as soon as you start to experiencing something, you say, God, I thank you for the work. And you walk away and you're content with it. But it's better than it was before. Brother Josh, he took away all that hurt and all that pain from my life. But did you allow him to replace it with joy and love and peace? I don't want to stop and say, God, it's good enough. But I'm going to say, God, if you can do this, God, you can do so much more. I'm not leaving this place until I have everything that you have for me, Lord. Verse 20, 26 says, Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back to the village on your way home. God told the blind man, I've healed you. I've restored your vision. I've given you a purpose. Don't you, don't, don't you dare go back the same way that you came. Can I take a little bit of liberty here today? I believe that God has healed people in this house of fear and anxiety and depression. And instead of trusting God and saying, God, you've done an amazing thing. You keep going back into the village where people are telling you that you're dealing with fear, depression, and anxiety. You need to stop listening to what people are telling you and saying, but I had an interaction with God. And God led me somewhere. And he transformed me. And I can't go back to where I was. I can't go back to that, 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 that blindness that I have. I'm not settling for what you have to say for me because God led me somewhere and he changed my life. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And in my opinion, this is one of the most understood verses in the Bible. See, if we aren't careful, we use it to justify why we, why we aren't living right. I know I'm living in sin, God, and I, and I want to make some changes, but I, I, I hear this verse and I think, God, if I'm not willing to fully commit to you right now, then what's the point? I don't want to be like those hypocrites that go to church but don't live like they're in the church, right? There was literally a time in my life that I, I would come to church and I would visit and I would feel God tugging in my heart and I'd say, God, I'm not ready. I don't want to be like, like them, Because this scripture says that you hate them more than you hate me because at least I know I'm cold. And they don't even know they're cold. They're lukewarm. 
Just because you shout the house down and you run the aisles on Sundays doesn't mean that God doesn't want to spit you out of his mouth. It's not talking about a spiritual temperature. It's talking about a purpose. Bear with me for just a moment. The city that is referenced in Revelation is Laodicea. And Laodicea did not have its own water source. Hieroplis was a three-hour journey, and there, there were hot springs. And the hot springs were used to clean and disinfect, and the hot water had a purpose. A three-hour journey on the other way was a city called Colossae, and they had cold water. And the cold water was refreshing. And although they were complete opposites, they both had a specific purpose. Both cities would send the water to Laodicea through aqueducts and through stone pipes that that man had made to make it more convenient for the city to receive the water they needed. However, by the time the water reached the city, it had either become cooler or warmed up, and it was lukewarm in temperature. It would need to be cooled or reheated prior to being used if it was going to be used properly. If you want the water to be hot, you got to go get it. You can't wait for it to come to you. It's more convenient if it comes to you, but sometimes by the time it gets to you, it's completely worthless. I believe that God is calling someone to a life of urgency. You've got a purpose, and your purpose is now. You can't wait for your purpose to arrive. You want to know why it feels like you're living a watered-down life? It's because you're allowing the world to change your purpose. Oh, it was convenient for them to, to build this thing, to bring it to me, to, to funnel it down. I can, get my, I can get my daily Bible devotions from Instagram, or, or I can watch a snippet of someone preaching on Facebook, and, then, and that's what I got for the day. It's becoming a time of convenience where we're allowing the world to influence our purpose. We're, in the, we're allowing the world to decide when it arrives and what it's going to be by the time that it gets there. Oh, I'm speaking to someone in the house today. I believe that, that God is calling you to a purpose. And he's saying, you know what? I know it might not can be, be convenient, and I know it's not the easy way, but you need to go to the source. If you want to know your purpose, if you want to be pleasing unto God, if you don't want to be spewed out of his mouth, you've got to go to the source. I know it's not convenient to make the journey, and it's so much easier for you just, for you just to wait for it to get to you. But convenience is killing our purpose. Brother Bovee, I'm sure it'd be more effective if I was on fire for God. But you know what? I'm warm enough. If we're not spending time in prayer, if we're not digging into the word, if we're just waiting for the preacher to get behind the pulpit and speak the purpose into our life, it's going to be lukewarm and it's not going to be of any good. God is calling people to a purpose today. We've got to make it a priority. We've got to say, God, my purpose might not be their purpose, but you know what? It's mine, and I'm going to give it my all, and I'm going to do everything that I can. Because not living a life of purpose makes you, makes you sick in God's mind. And that hurt me when I, when, I, when I was reading this and I was studying, and I said, God, are you really saying that you would rather that, that I, I would be lost? No, I'm not saying I'd rather you be lost, but I'm saying... If you're just sitting in a pew and you're just saying, I'm good enough, you're not. God doesn't care if you run the aisles. He doesn't care if you worship the house down. He doesn't care if you can carry a a, a tune in a bucket because Lord knows I can't. You can sit on the pew and not even clap once. But if you're doing what God called you to do, God says they're fulfilling their purpose and I'm pleased. It's not about the spiritual temperature on the outside. It's about what we're doing 
with God and if we're allowing him to, to use us to our full potential or if we're just waiting for it to come to us. If the music wants to come, I'm beginning to close. But I believe that there's a purpose in this house today. There are callings, there are ministries that God is wanting to develop, but we've got some Jonas trying to run the other way. God, I don't want to face that. God, that's a little bit too tough. God, those people in my past, Lord, I know that you're telling me to forgive them and, and to forget it and to move on and to trust you, but God, I'm not ready yet. God's saying, but do you want to be in my purpose or do you want to live in the spit? I believe there are people in the house today that are hurting and you've spent too much time trying to figure out who's responsible for the hurt. And God's just spitting in the sand saying, it doesn't matter. All that matters is I want to fill you with a purpose today. All that matters is what's going to happen when you allow me to come in contact with your life today. You're not overlooked. You are not worthless. You are my child. And I have a purpose set in you today. I believe God wants to send somebody today. God has called somebody to send. Will somebody respond and allow the Lord to send them today? God, God is wanting to spend some special time with someone today. And he's calling you to, to get away from the noise of your life. He's calling you to get away from everything and, and to trust him, to just let him lead you to where you need to be, to take you on a journey with him. And it doesn't make sense, and it's not the way that, that, that you intended for it to be, but God says, I'm going to soothe your pain along the way. I'm going to put you in a place that you're ready to receive your healing. I know you're not there yet, but just walk with me. Let me lead you just a moment. Let me get you to a place where I can put restoration in your life. Lord, let me put, a, put you in a place where I can give your vision back to you today. Can we come today? Can we find an altar? Can we find our purpose today, God? Lord, I don't want it to be a, a purpose of convenience, but God, I want to go to the source, God. What do you have for me today, God? Lord, I need to hear your words in my life, God. Lord, I need confirmation today, God. Lord, I don't want to make you sick, Lord. Lord, but I want to be in your perfect will today. Saints, can we come and pray today?